Matthew chapter 28. Let's begin in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it never changes. You knew that we needed it to never change. It's so much more than what we need. We thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you that it doesn't return void. We're grateful, Lord, that it shapes us and molds us and fashions us into the image of Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would use these verses today to that end. We pray your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning. We pray that you would help us to be teachable and humble before you, to have our hearts be pliable, so that you could redirect us and speak to us regarding the things that you want to speak uniquely to each one of us, as only you can. We pray that you would set this time aside for your holy use. We pray, Lord, that it would bring you glory as we worship you in the study of your word. We commit it to you. We're thankful that you're more looking forward to this time and teaching us than we are to have this time of being instructed. So we thank you for your Father's heart, and we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Beginning last Sunday at our VBS meeting that we had, uh, the Lord began stirring my heart in a greater sense than what I had previously leading up to that moment regarding the Great Commission. We've been looking at the Great Commission a little bit in the school discipleship, those of us that are a part of that school on Saturday mornings, and we've been learning a lot about just what it means to be a disciple and how it relates to uh, sharing our faith. You know, Jesus had called them at one point and said, I will make you fishers of men. He wasn't just speaking to apostles only. He's speaking to all of us, and as we'll see all these things are supposed to be engaged in with our, related to our lives as well. And so I love it when he interrupts things. I love it when he speaks to us and speaks to me and, and, and says, this is what I want to say now. And it's incumbent upon us for us to remember that he has the freedom to do that. And that's where we want to stay as a, as a fellowship. Where any given moment, he can interrupt what he's already led us to do previously and say, this is what I want to speak to you, or this is how I want to move. This is how I want to work. Because once we stop doing that, once we stop allowing him to lead us and to have him be the the true senior pastor of the church, then we start our, our descent towards being a dead church. And as we see in Revelation, he speaks a lot to churches that there's a lot of activity, a lot going on, a lot of things that people would look at and say, that church is alive, but Jesus' assessment of it is that it's dead. And part of what makes it dead is that, it's, that the church is not listening to him anymore and getting engaged in tradition and getting engaged in all these things to where he doesn't have the freedom to change things up. May it never happen in this family. May it never happen in any of our lives. We have to guard against rig- uh, rigidity. 
to practice that many times and not mess that up. Rigidity, 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 rigidity. But we have to guard against that. It, not just as a body, as a church, as a family, but as individuals. He wants to lead us every single day. He wants to speak to us. He wants to guide our lives. He said to the disciples that the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He will lead you into all truth. That wasn't just doctrine. That was, that was their direction for their lives each day. You remember in the book of Acts at times they had said, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was leading. Jesus said to them, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And, and he says, I will provide another counselor or another helper. And that word another means another of the same kind. He wasn't leaving them without providing someone, namely his spirit, to guide them and lead them. And so the church needs to always be engaged in being led by the Spirit. So he's led us uh, to study this passage today. He has a message for us uniquely uh, regarding these verses uh, this morning. And what he's reminding us is, is our mission. He's bringing us back to our mission, and, and it's, we refer to it as the Great Commission. God has called all of mankind to know him, to bring him glory, and to be further conformed into the image of Christ. But the way that that happens, the catalyst or the mechanism or the means by which he accomplishes that purpose for man is by the Great Commission. But he's not on this earth actively doing that apart from his bride, apart from his body. And we need to remember that, and we can forget it. <laughs> I can forget it. Or I can go long periods of time and not even realize that he's still wanting to seek and to save uh, those that are lost. It's kind of a cycle about how he set things up regarding saving man and knowing man and having man know him and so forth. There's this cycle that I want you to either be reminded of or I want you to know about maybe for the first time, just, just to break it down in its simplest form. And this is how it works. He wants, again, every person on this earth to know him, to have a personal relationship with him. He want, and through that relationship, he wants the, those people to bring him glory. And he knows that that's going to happen by further conforming them into the image of Christ. To build in them Christ-likeness, Christ-character. Well, the question comes, how does he do that? How does he accomplish that? Well, he can't do it, first of all, without a sacrifice for sin. Because man's problem is that he's sinful. But God didn't leave us in that condition. He sent Christ to die on the cross for our sins to make the full and satisfying payment for the forgiveness of our sins, his death, burial, and resurrection, to provide a means by which we can receive a free gift in eternal life. And so that's the gospel. And so he, then he sends these people who have been changed out to preach the gospel. They go out and they are led by the Holy Spirit wherever God's placed them in this world. And he has placed us a very, in very specific places for very specific reasons. We're scattered like seed all over this world, very specifically to reach people. We think it's for all other reasons sometimes. But where we're at is that the reason why we are where we are is to reach people with uh, the gospel. Then after they become saved out in this world, then he wants to have them come in to be Discipled, to bring them into the church to be discipled and brought into maturity. You hear me say often the ultimate goal for us is to be brought into maturity and be, become more like Christ. But that's all part of the cycle that I'm talking about. And then after those people come in and they get discipled and they grow into maturity, 
And during that process, of course, then they go out and they reproduce themselves in a sense by preaching the gospel to other people. And those people come to know Christ and then they're brought into the church to be discipled. And then the, the cycle repeats itself. And I know I'm being a little bit basic, but for some of us, it may be something new for us. Or we need to be reminded that there is this whole purpose how God has set things up. And, and, and we need to be reminded we don't have the luxury to change this plan. It's a very good plan. It's perfect. I mean, we couldn't think up a better plan. Go out and try to think of a better way to, to accomplish all of this that God wants to accomplish. There is no better plan. And we don't have the luxury to redefine the purpose of the church, to redefine what his overall goal is, and to add things to that cycle and to remove things from that cycle. So God asks us to understand it, first of all, to understand how he set things up. And then he wants us to evaluate this morning where we fit into that cycle. Where has God placed us in that? And also, where are we currently functioning in that cycle? Because it's supposed to perpetuate through each one of our lives. And that this cycle is supposed to continue. And so often it, it gets kind of bottlenecked at one or two places. Either we're refusing to be discipled. We don't want to grow. We're not willing to grow. We're content with where we're at in our spiritual growth. So we just say, no, I'm not going to <laughs> go any further than where I'm at. I don't care how many times they announce things. I don't care how many, you know, whatever. Uh, they make things available. I don't care what he says to me or what he speaks to me in his word. I'm not going past where I'm at in my spiritual growth. I'm fine here. And we think that that somehow is up to us. But we've been bought with a price. Some of us here may have known the Lord. We maybe have known the Lord for 30, 40 years. And maybe we haven't grown in 20 years substantially in our faith. That's not God's will for you. Maybe you've grown in your faith for five years. And then the last six months, you've kind of let things go aside for a little bit. That's neglect. We don't have that luxury. It's not a luxury. It's a detriment. And as we see in his word. The other bottleneck that can happen or where things get kind of jammed up in this cycle is that when we're out there, we, we don't open our mouths. We never preach the gospel. And, and I, this isn't a, a, you know, a, a beat-up session. I'm not, <laughs> it's not my heart to do that, to... to uh, to put to heap guilt on or condemnation. That's not. There's great encouragement from the Lord and great grace from the Lord, but He still wants to bring us back to where are we fitting and where are we we uh, um, you know lining up with what His plan is regarding this overall cycle to reach mankind. So I don't. I want to have everyone just relax here for a second. That's not the, my heart. It's not the Lord's heart. But we're called though to know where we're at in. In this cycle. And so uh, he says, I want you to put your attention. And he says in verse 18, if you notice there, he says, I want you to understand uh, where the authority comes from. It comes from me. He says, it said there in verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, this is the basis for us being sent out. Jesus has been given authority. We have to have authority to go out there and preach the gospel. We have to have authority. He knows that. And he knows that when he has been given authority to send us and to commission us to, to go and reach the lost. And so he's linked his command to us to obey the Great Commission with his authority to give it the Great Commission. And that's, that's what we see. That's why he says, notice there in verse 19, he says, go therefore. What's the therefore, therefore? 
It's saying, I'm telling you to go because I have authority to send you. And we have to know that when we go out and we preach the gospel, wherever the Lord has placed us in life, that we are, we are going with that gospel in his authority. We can pass over this, but it's important. We go in his authority. He, he, we have all kinds of, 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 of freedom to bring the kingdom of God with us wherever we go. And that's, that's what we're doing. We're bringing the new covenant wherever we go. We're giving people opportunity to, to be a part of that new covenant, to enter into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within us as Christians, and we have to remember that we have authority to preach that gospel. Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 23, subsequent to his resurrection, he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. What does that mean? Does it mean that we can go around, you know, saying that God forgives you for this and then he doesn't forgive you for this and we're going around being the judge over people's sins between their relationship with themselves and God? No. But what it's saying is we have authority to bring that gospel to people. And when someone in sincerity says, I want to receive Christ, and we are, are part of that uh, um, transaction or them appropriating uh, the, the Lord into their lives through the gospel and we pray with them in a prayer or whatever, however, you know, whatever it looks like. We can say with authority because we are preaching under his authority that God heard that prayer and he answered that prayer and your sins are forgiven. And if someone rejects the gospel, they don't want anything to do with the gospel, we can know that their sins aren't forgiven. And so that's the authority that, about which he is speaking. So he says this to them right after he rose from the dead. He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the, they were forgiven before that, but they, hadn't, they didn't have regeneration yet. They didn't have the Spirit coming inside of them, making their dead spirit alive. And, but he needed to raise from the dead first for that to happen. So he did raise from the dead. And then he, the first thing right away, I mean, in that chain of events says receive the Holy Spirit and then he right away starts talking about the kind of what the whole overall goal is for them to be engaged in bringing the kingdom of God wherever the Holy Spirit sends them so what greater authority can we have as Christians than to be able to go with the authority of Christ in a context and preach the gospel and that's incredibly comforting for us because sometimes we are in a context preaching the gospel and we don't feel like we have any authority (laughs) And that's the danger of going by our feelings from, in many different ways, but especially in preaching the gospel. We have to know by the authority of God's word that we are there representing God. We are ambassadors for him. We're preaching the gospel and God's, all of heaven, all of heaven's resources getting behind what we are saying at that moment. And we're told in verse 19 to do two things. He's made it pretty simple in, in the content at least. He says, no, two things, to go and to make disciples. And I want you to notice something that he didn't say. Notice he didn't say, stay therefore and make converts of all the visitors. <laughs> didn't say that. You know, I mean, some people may think that it says that based on kind of how they function within the body of Christ or how these different models are about what the church is supposed to be about. He doesn't say, stay therefore and make converts of all the visitors. What he does say, though, for us is to go to go. We don't want to go. Should I stay or should I go now? I think that's a song. 
before my time, okay, just for the record, before my time. But we were were hesitant to go. And where does go mean? Go can mean within our own family. Go can mean in our own neighborhood. doesn't mean we're going to New Guinea anytime soon. You may call us there. I don't know. But wherever it is, God has a place for God's people. What if all through the Christian age, we, we didn't go, but we stayed as Christians? We wouldn't know the Lord today. The gospel wouldn't have gone out into all the world. It's reaching the entire world now. And so he calls us to go. And that's why we, we don't see really any converts. I know it happened, but we don't really see it emphasized in, in the book of Acts, anyone being saved in a Christian church. Can you think of someone getting saved in a Christian church in the book of Acts? I don't know of one example of that. Now, I know what happened because the Apostle Paul said, if anyone who is an unbeliever comes in among you and they all hear you speaking in tongues all at the same time, they're going to think you're crazy. So we know that that happened, and we know that we should preach the gospel in the church. Of course, unbelievers come in. I'm not anti-preaching the gospel. You obviously hear me every, at the end of every service preach the gospel. But the point is, the purpose of when the church gathers is to make disciples. See, that's part of this cycle. We, the, 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 the lost are one out there. They're brought in to be discipled. They're brought into maturity. Then they go out and preach the gospel. So we, we have to make sure this cycle keeps going in our own uh, lives, first of all, but then as a church. I love the fact that we're going to have VBS again in a park. We're going. And that's nothing wrong with having VBS at a church, obviously. But we're going to the community. We're going to be visible there. We're bringing the kingdom of God to, to uh, that park there. What's the name of it? Woodward Park. We're bringing the kingdom of God there. And people are, children are going to get saved. Adults are probably going to get saved there. We're going. I love it. But he says, make disciples. It's all one word in the Greek, make disciples. And it's in the imperative mood, which means it's a command. Go is not emphasized as much as make disciples is in this passage in the original language. What's emphasized is to make disciples. So he doesn't say to, make, to stay and make converts. He says, go and make disciples. We go, we preach the gospel out there, and then we bring them in and we make disciples, not just converts. You know, God sees way past the conversion. Did you know that? All in scripture, when he refers to salvation, he doesn't, we just think that sometimes that he just sees up to conversion. He sees way past conversion. In Romans, he talks about all the way up to when we're glorified. He starts with predestined, all the way up to when we're glorified. There's other times where Jesus spoke about our salvation related to all the way past conversion. He said uh, this, he said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you bear much fruit. God sees people already serving. He sees people already giving their lives away. He sees people already in areas of leadership. I'm talking about the lost. He doesn't just see them praying a prayer to receive Christ, and that's as far as his vision is. That it, that's as far as the vantage point goes for him. He sees beyond that. And he sees people getting saved and maturing and, and giving their lives away, focusing on God and focusing on others. That's what he sees, and that's what our eyes of faith need to see too. When we're preaching the gospel to someone, when we're sharing our faith, we need to picture them already serving and saving and being saved and serving, however they need to do it. Serving, saving, be doing both. Speaking better than me, that's for sure. That's what God's will is for them. But we need to see them as that. And notice he says, of all the nations in verse 19. And this isn't just talking about geographical boundaries. 
The word nations there is the word from which we get our word ethnicity. It's another one I should have practiced. Ethnicity there. So all people, which means that no one's off limits. There's no one that we can prejudge and we can all do this. We say, oh, they don't, they're not going to, they're not going to receive, they're not going to believe. Or those people aren't as important to God. May that never remain in our hearts from our flesh that comes up in our hearts at times. We need to preach the gospel to everyone. And that's why it doesn't say stay. We could never preach the gospel to all the people that, that are represented in this world if we're staying and, and, and making converts mere, uh, only. It's, it's talking about reaching everyone. We are to baptize, and that, that word means to immerse. The Roman Catholic Church has redefined that term. It doesn't mean sprinkle. Baptizmo means to immerse. It means to put someone in that water, and it represents the death, and burial, and resurrection of Christ, and him coming up. Out of the water represents Christ's resurrection. It represents dying to my old life and being a new creation. That's important for us to, to, to be engaged in. We're going to have a baptism here in the next few months. But it represents a changed life, a public profession of faith. Now, we were planning for the spring picnic, and now we've moved it to the, the fall. Uh, but I, I, I researched to find out if we could do a baptism there in front of everybody. Right in front of that playground, right on the, where the traffic's going, everybody can see it. I, you know, public profession. I don't know where, I mean, I understand the practicality of it, but having baptisms in, in a church, you know, I mean, I think, wouldn't it be better to try to do it in public if you can? And I know it's not always possible, but a public profession of faith. And he says, he mentions all three persons there in the Godhead. And you see that by the, the two words that repeat there, of the in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He could have done that. But he's emphasizing that there's three in the Godhead, that the, the one God reveals himself in three distinct persons who have relationship with one another. That transcends our understanding. I don't know how God can do that, but he does. And that's who he is. And so he says, I want you to go and baptize them in the name of all three of us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And then he adds to them, notice, he says, teaching them to observe, notice, all things that I have commanded you. Now, what did he command the disciples? I know we're bringing this down to its basic level here, but we need it. He commanded the disciples to go. And he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men in another time. So everything that he spoke to them, this isn't just limited to apostles. He's, he's saying to us as well, for us to Go and preach the gospel and engage in these things. Now the, the, I know that people are gifted to be an evangelist, and some people appear to be more gifted to share their faith than others, but they're really, I don't really see a gift of evangelism. And I know that people are gifted in the sense that they're called to be an evangelist and so forth, but, and I know some people are more kind of extroverted than others and, and, and all of that, but God still says that every single one of us are called to be fishers of men. And that could look different in different people's lives. Not all of us are going to be standing on a corner, you know, preaching the gospel and, or being doing crusades. Or There's all kinds of different ways to preach the gospel and be a part of the Great Commission. We're going to look at a few of how the Lord's potentially leading our fellowship to be engaged in in a, in a moment that you can be a part of. Now he finishes with a promise at the end of verse 20. He says, And lo, I am with you always even the end of the age. Amen. 
Now it reminds me of, you know, my sister Laura, since I can remember, I've always called her Lo. That's my name for her. I couldn't say Laura when I was little. And so one time I said to her, isn't this great how the Lord really personalized this for you? And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And, uh, you know, that was something that maybe only she can receive in that way. But, you know, he speaks individually to all of us. And why do we need to hear that? Why, do, why is that comforting? You know, all through the Old Testament and even the New Testament, promises to be with us. And in the Old Testament, that meant everything to them. As long as you go with me, Lord, I know everything will be okay. As long as you're with me. I could go through anything, but if, if I know you're walking with me through the situation, I know I'll be okay. So no matter where he goes related to bringing the Great Commission, he goes with us. That brings incredible comfort to us. Because we go out in his authority and he is with us everywhere we go. What else do we need? He's truly thought of everything. When we go into that uh, store, that grocery store, and we're looking over the, over the beets there. We're shopping for beets. And we're there and we're like, I don't even know if I've ever shopped for a beet. So if I get this wrong. But, uh, you know, you're lo- I don't know if you, you don't feel beets. You just look at them, I guess. And you know that they're, they're ready and that, that you're going to buy them. And so you, you, you go and you take some beets and you notice next to you there's someone there. And, and, and the Holy Spirit prompts your heart and says, I want you to just engage them somehow. I want you to say hi to them. I want you to, you know, and, and, and so you greet them and you, how are you? And, you, you know, if you, you would come in here for a while. You know, you don't really say that in a grocery store, really. But you know, you're, you're, you're bringing up conversation. And, and before you know it, it gets on spiritual things. And you start sharing with them. And before you know it, you're at the gospel. And, you know, maybe they don't pray to receive Christ right there with the beats there. Uh, but they, they are open. And they, you planted a seed. And then you go and you pray for them at another time. You know, bringing it to the attention of the other people in the church. Hey, pray for, pray for Nancy. I met her looking for beets there at, at Save Mart. And so she was open. And, you know, that kind of thing. Just going, by, going through our normal day. You know, and that's where we get kind of tripped up sometimes. As we think we have to set this time aside in our, you know, in our calendar. Okay, this is evangelism time. And, you know, sometimes God leads us to do that. But most of the time it happens as just as we live life. Where we just find ourselves living life and going through our day, and, he, and, and if we're listening and watching, then we get to, to see the opportunities he puts before us. It's, it's interesting when you start really paying attention to those that he has around you, you really start seeing that he's giving me opportunities all the time. Because we can say, well, I don't really see a lot of opportunities to share my faith. Once we start paying attention and looking with, with spiritual eyes in the situation, there's ripe fruit all around us just ready to be picked. And, and, and so Jesus' assessment of the harvest field is that it's ripe. He says the problem is not the harvest field. He says the problem is there's a lack of workers. And he says pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send workers into the harvest field because it is work. It is something that requires uh, a lot of hardship, inconvenience, and, and, and sacrifice. But again, it's our, it's our uh, mission. It's what God's called us to be engaged in. So he wants us to, to have the main thing be the main thing and, and to, to bring us back to this whole mission that we have of preaching the gospel. We can get involved in many things, you know, in, in life, and he has us in a lot of different places, and that's all good. And we could be engaged in these things, and we can forget about where he's placed us 
uh, in the body of Christ, in the world, and that we, he, we have a mission to accomplish by his grace and by his power. So to think about where we are in the cycle. Are we cooperating with the Holy Spirit in growing and maturing? And are we learning about how to, how to present the gospel? For some of us, it's a big step of faith to even say anything about our faith. Sometimes even to Christians, it's hard for us to talk about our faith. And God's patient with that. I want you to understand his heart this morning. He's patient with us. He knows our shortcomings. He knows who he's dealing with. He knows when he got us, he got a project, as it's been said. It's a long-term project, and he keeps working on it. But he'll put people in our path, and he just wants us to go that direction, to start going towards uh, that great mission that he has called us to. So what do we do? Where is he, what does he want us to focus on? Where do we start? Well, let's talk about that in two different ways. Let's first talk about where he's called us individually first and how we can grow in these things. And, and then secondly, how as a body we can participate in, in, in outreach and reaching the lost and, and supporting outreach. Well, first of all, as individuals, uh, it starts with recognizing where we're at in the cycle. Where are we at? Are we growing? Are we maturing? And, and are we getting to the place where we can be developed enough to where we can open our mouths and preach the gospel to someone if the Lord uh, set everything up? And, and there are times where he doesn't. And that's one thing we need to know. At the end of our day, if we were willing to preach the gospel, if we were looking for open doors, we were praying for God to bring those open doors, and we were will, willing to open up our mouth and preach the gospel, and he doesn't bring anybody. That's very possible. He doesn't put someone before us and make it clear for us then we don't have to walk in guilt after that day and go, oh, I just didn't share my faith enough. He doesn't want us to walk around in that big cloud of like never, never measuring up and never you know, meeting the standard because he knows that for it to be done appropriately, it has to be done spirit-directed. It has to be done appropriately and tactfully and lovingly, not, not just tackling everyone we see. Hey, wait, 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 wait you know, grabbing them. You got to hear the gospel. I mean, maybe God would lead someone to do that. I, I don't know. But it has to be done appropriately as we live our lives out. And so we need to be encouraged in that. But it begins with making a commitment. Maybe some of us need to make a commitment to be taking serious the, 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 the Great Commission. And however the Lord might lead us in that. Starts with that commitment. Then some of us may need to uh, learn how to articulate the gospel. You know, I did a four-week teaching on evangelism. It's on our website. You can go on it. And you can go through all four of those messages or I did evangelism training in a sense. Many of you were here for that. Some of you were not here for that. Go and get equipped. Learn about what it, how, to, how to present that. I give very practical ways to approach people, ask questions and so forth. Go through that. Get books about it. We're going to have books in, in the equipping library here regarding uh, sharing our faith. And so prepare ourselves for that. To know the gospel. Well, the gospel is just that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was raised and, and he died and he, raised, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. It's the good news. It's simple. It's not complicated. But, but we can grow in that uh, and we can sh be sharpened in that. Maybe we know the gospel. Maybe we know how to preach the gospel. But be willing to share it. Maybe we've let go of our prayer lists. Our, you know, we have had unbelievers on our, we've, we're praying for them at, at, at one point. And our family or friends or coworkers, we've stopped praying for them. I am so glad I was on a Holy Ghost hit list at Calvary Temple. I've mentioned it before. I was on a Holy Ghost hit list. Someone put my name on that. 
and I got saved. I'm so glad they were praying for me. And so it's our job to be praying about for the people that God has put into our path. Who is it that doesn't know the Lord in our lives? Do we even care that they're not saved? That's, maybe we should start there. Jesus' priority is to reach the lost, to seek and to save that which was lost. At the, with the context of the woman at the well, when he's sharing and he hadn't eaten all day, the disciples go to get food. They come back and he doesn't have food and they're concerned about him. And he's saying, I, it, it, you know, my food is to do the will of the, of the one who sent me. His, his passion, his, his de- delight was to preach the gospel, to seek and pursue after people. That's his heart. We can't be like Jesus if we don't have a concern for the lost because that's what he is concerned about. He is pursuing people all the time. And indifference in our heart and, and worse yet, uh, you know, hatred towards those things and refusal to be, to, uh, refusing to be a part of those things, that's something that needs to be repented of. That's something that you need to ask forgiveness for and I need to ask forgiveness for. And all of us can deal with that at times where we're indifferent towards those things and God wants to light a fire in us. As a fellowship, he's poured a lot into this fellowship. He's invested a lot in this fellowship. And we're growing in our faith. We're learning more and more about God's word. And he wants us to reproduce in, us, in that sense and to, and to grow. Not just for our, the sake of this body and numer- numbers and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying expanding the body of Christ wherever God's planted us and expand his kingdom generally, not just here. And so we have to be sensitive to the Spirit's Leading, he'll tell us. We'll be putting gas in our car. See that person over there? Go give him a track. Go give him an invitation card. Go say God bless you today. Wave at him. Do, do something. Get their attention. Or it may not be a person that we don't know. It may be someone that we do know, but we've just given up on sharing our faith. God wants to stoke the fire of the burden for the gospel in us. Ask questions. That's one of the best ways open up a conversation. We think about, well, I don't know what I would say if I came in contact with an unbeliever. Just treat it like any other person that you meet. Just ask questions. How are you doing? Where do you work? What do you do? You know, just start, just start asking questions and, and be sensitive to the Spirit's prompting to steer it in a way that goes to spiritual things. Sometimes you can say, well, what, you know, what are you going to do when you uh, graduate from high, uh, college? Well, I'm going to uh, get a job and get a career. Okay, what then? Oh, I'll probably get a family and have kids. What then? You just keep going until they get to the end of their life. What then? Well, I'm going to die. What then? Wow, I never really thought about it. Wow, you haven't thought about that. You ever wonder what happens on the other side? You say afterlife, all these safe terms where they're not threatened. You remember what happens? Over at the other, what happens? What do you think happens? What's your opinion? They'll share their opinion. And it'll bring, it'll bring it all up. Rarely will we, will we, what we, will we experience what we think is going to happen. I don't talk about religion, politics, those are off limits. Don't even utter another syllable. It's usually not what happens. But we think in our mind, that's what's going to happen if I bring it up. It's not, not, not the case at all. Ask questions. Or just say, you ever say to someone that doesn't know the Lord, how can I pray for you? You're not saying anything to them regarding the gospel. You're just saying, how can I pray for you? Oh, it throws them off. Hmm, never really thought about that. Well, what's your needs? You know, oh, I got this going on. I got this going on. I got now, you know their greatest need is salvation. It doesn't matter what their felt needs or their assessed needs are. Their greatest need is salvation. But you can encourage them and bring that into the gospel and just share from your heart. You know what I've found 
is that with these dealing with life and the difficulty of life and all the things that you're going through, I don't know where I would be without God and how he's helped me. Another thing you can say to him is, if you were wrong about eternal things, would you want to know? Who's going to say no to that? Well, yeah, I guess. But there's all kinds of ways that you can bring up the conversation there. Jesus' heart, we have to remember his heart, is to reach the lost. All of heaven's priority is the lost. And, And that's why Jesus said, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. All of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. They don't necessarily erupt in, in, in you know, uh, praise and, and thankfulness when something just incredibly wonderful that, that brings comfort into my life occurs. I mean, they, they're, I'm sure they're happy about that. But when one sinner repents, all of heaven gets excited. Heaven, he, heaven is real, but hell is real. We need to be reminded of that. Hell is real. We joke about, unfortunately, and I've done it myself. We joke about hell. Hell isn't funny to God. People that he died for are going there all the time. And we're one heartbeat away from going one place or the other. And there's people that we know that are, that, have, that are on their way there. God refers to them as they're currently perishing. We know people have already perished. There are people that are currently perishing. They're going to spend an eternity with no second chances. No second chances. Separated from God for all eternity. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did anything else just about. He spoke about it a lot. And we can't be ashamed no matter what this world thinks of hell. The truth is they need to hear about that God doesn't want them to go there. And they're going to have to walk over his sacrifice on that cross to get there. They're going to have to bulldoze their way through invitation after invitation because God is seeking and and wanting to save them. So those are some things for you individually. But what about us as a fellowship? The one word he gave me, it's been so strong this week and, and, and before that, but especially this week, is the word mobilize. For us as a body, to mobilize, to organize, and to, to go out and outreach into this world in many different ways. He wants us, he's leading us to do that more. We're already doing it, but he wants us to do that more. And it requires all of us to be a part of it in some way. And sometimes we think that, well, all I have is just this little bit of time or this little, I can't really do much. It's insignificant. I'm not important in this. You are very important. Every part of the body is just as important as every other part of the body. One One part of the body can't say you're not important and vice versa. We're all needed. The smallest of things that you do with these outreaches, I can't tell you the difference it makes. I can't emphasize enough how much it makes. The smallest of things. No one's thinking, oh, we wish you would have done more. Oh, I wish you could just sacrifice more. No one's thinking that. We're thankful for anything that you bring or participate in or pray for or be a part of or encourage someone that is uh, overseeing something. All those things God multiplies and he uses it far greater than we ever realize. And if we're all doing that collectively, it's a huge impact. He's saying for his church here to mobilize. That's what the Spirit is saying to the church. So we're, we're going to start going that direction more. The first thing is VBS. There's a lot more things that could be done, a lot more things that people can, can help in. Uh, and, and we all, but even if you're not doing anything tangibly, pray for it. That's very, very, very important. Pray for VBS. But find out what, what people need. The smallest of things. Even if no one's going to just say, hey, that's all you can do? 
so you don't do anything? No, there's something for all of us to do. There's a ministry called Global Media Outreach that just came to Calvary Chapel Modesto, and um, I've known about it a couple years, and, it, and I've announced it, I think, one or two times here, uh, and, but we've never been a part of it as a fellowship, and that's, that's going to start. And what it is, is it's this, this ministry that purchases Google ads regarding all these different topics like uh, forgiveness or peace with God and all these things that are kind of like bait for the unbeliever. And they spend a lot of money on these ads. And people all over the world in many, many, many different languages see these ads. They click on these websites and they, they, hear, they, they see a presentation of the gospel there and then they have an opportunity to receive Christ or not. And then there's these online missionaries. That's where we come in, where we are set up through them to help these people get materials and things they need to grow in their faith all over the world. And this ministry last year had 15 million professions of faith. They have about 30 to 40,000 people make professions of faith a day. You can go to greatcommission2020.com. You can see a live representation of people on those websites receiving Christ and asking for follow-up. And you, you see it pop up all over the world, even past the 1040 window and all the places that are forbidden with, related to the gospel. They're going right into those places. And so uh, we're, we're praying about how we should be a part of that and so forth, but we're going to give you an opportunity to become an online missionary, to be getting an email and reaching out and forwarding uh, resources to them around the world. It's a great opportunity. It used to cost about $35 a person, but so many people are giving towards this ministry now, they don't need that. So there's no limit to the people that can be engaged in this and be used by the Lord. The next thing we're going to be doing is we're going to continue to be reaching out to the poor like we have. Well, Robert's overseen that and gone out to the people that are homeless and, and hurting. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep doing it regularly and being led by the Spirit regarding it. Also, we're going to have uh, opportunities at booths at the pumpkin fair and the street fair like we used to do uh, and, and kind of get more organized with those and, and, and be salt and light and just be where God's placed us on those days and see what he might do through the preaching of the gospel. We're going to have special events uh, occur where we have maybe special speakers come in and so forth. We're going, to, we're going to reach the community in many different ways. I've mentioned before the, the vision that the Lord gave me in 2000 related to a, uh, you know, an evangelistic radio and YouTube ministry called The Search. We're going to continue to pray about that and hopefully this year purchase equipment to be able to start recording those. So we can be praying about that. We'll need people to help produce that, both the audio and the video. We'll need people to help produce those things. That's a perfect place to participate in the Great Commission. Also, it's on our heart to provide, help provide school supplies for needy kids at this school to get a list of kids that have a hard time supplying those things and to help and come alongside those kids and give these little packs of, of, of uh, school supplies at the beginning of the year. That's a huge, huge ministry. God will get lots of mileage uh, out of that related to his purposes for their life. It's also on our heart, if the Lord leads, uh, to open up like a little, um, acti- not activity center, but like a, um, an exercise center or a boxing center where youth can come 
and they can learn how to box and, you know, work out and so forth and have Chris be there and showing them how to get hit in the head and, and uh, you know, do his little, you know, uh, Rocky impression, you know, you Adrian, and, and uh, you know, and, and to learn how to box and exercise and just attract the youth. Youth will come around for all kinds of reasons. That's on our hearts uh, to do that. We'll see how the Lord leads us. These things may take a little time, but the purpose is we're going forward and we need to start praying for these things. I'd love to do some summer concerts to bring some bands. I have a lot of relationships with pastors and, and bands that can come in and we could have, uh, you know, an outreach concert at the park and invite the lost and preach the gospel. So all these things, the Lord just says, I have a priority to seek and save the lost. And he wants our body to mobilize. That's what he's saying to the, to, to, to the church this morning. And so I want to be faithful uh, to communicate that because, you know, if when you lay something on your heart, you better share it. And, and we have to be receptive to those things as well. So again, where does God have us in the cycle? Are we maturing? Are we learning how to preach the gospel? Are we learning how to do that? Are we praying for those that need Christ? Are we, you know, giving our time, talent, and our treasure, as it's been said, towards furthering the gospel? Where are our resources going? Are our resources furthering the gospel, or are they not furthering the gospel? And if you're in a place, you're just like, just, I can't right now. That's great. That's what, however the Lord leads. But if you need help with, you know, getting in a place to be able to invest in the kingdom related. You're, we, we've done uh, Dave Ramsey's course already, and there's resources for you online that we know about that will help you get everything in, you know, in line so that you can invest in the kingdom. You're never going to outgive God. We're never going to outgive the Lord. And so we have to ask ourselves, where has he placed us? Where are we serving? And, and think about where he's placed us because time's running out time's getting short he's coming back for his church and he wants to save as many people as possible before he comes that last gentile is going to get saved whoever that is in this world and once that last gentile gets saved he's going to catch us up to be with him for all eternity and so we need to be busy about his business occupying until he comes and being faithful getting our focus off of ourselves onto him onto others and, and then he'll bless everything we put our hands to regarding his gospel because it's his authority. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for speaking to our church. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to know what that looks like in each one of our lives. Thank you that your spirit's so faithful to be able to direct us individually regarding these things. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring encouragement to those that are discouraged I pray, Lord, that you would give perspective to those who need to see the big picture of what you're doing in their lives. And I pray, Lord, that, that everyone here, myself included, would be walking in your grace, walking in, in, in your encouragement, that you're patient with us. Thank you for this great privilege to be walking around, carrying the kingdom of God wherever we go, being able to give people an opportunity to have their lives changed. Thank you for redirecting us, Lord. You're getting us our back, our focus back on the main thing. We thank you that you're faithful to do that. I pray that we'd be good stewards of what you revealed to us and not just be a hearer only, but be a doer by your grace and by your power. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.